Welcome to an AFR Thanksgiving special featuring Dr. Ray Pritchard. Ray is president of Keep Believing Ministries and co-host of today's issues on AFR. For the next 30 minutes, we hope you'll enjoy this program titled Praise the Lord Anyhow. And here's Dr. Ray Pritchard. Once again, the holiday season has rolled around and people are asking, where did the year go? Already the stores are filled with Christmas decorations. Children are wondering what they will find under the tree and mom and dad are wondering how they will pay for it. These days, Thanksgiving is basically a preseason holiday, something you do to get in shape for Christmas. We eat, we sleep, we watch football, and we don't stop until January. That's a shame because the art of giving thanks is one thing that separates man from the animals. To receive a gift and say thank you is one of the noblest things a man can do. There is nothing small or trivial about it. To say thank you is to acknowledge that we've been given something we did not earn and do not deserve. Happy is the man, happy is the woman, happy are they who understand that all of life is a gift from God and that life itself is the ultimate gift. With that in mind, I want to talk to you today on the theme, Praise the Lord Anyhow. Let me begin this way. Don't rely on Google for medical advice. Always check it out. That's what a good friend learned the hard way. She had breast cancer, but because of something she read on Google, she thought she didn't. Unfortunately, that delayed her treatment, which meant things got worse quickly. I had no idea what she had been through until I read her story called, As Long As I Have Breath. The bottom line is that her cancer spread to other parts of her body. After many months of harrowing treatment, she faced the reality that her cancer was treatable, but not curable. Now, our friend is a strong believer in Jesus. She knows the Lord and she knows his word. She has been through enough hard times that this was not going to shake her. No one who knows her doubts the genuineness of her faith. But what do you do when the doctors say, we can't cure you? Before I share her answer, let's meditate for a moment on the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 5.18. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There is nothing unusual in that verse or about that verse except perhaps the words in everything. I think almost subconsciously when we read that, we want to reinterpret it this way. Give thanks in most things, in nearly all things. Give thanks in almost everything. We are to give thanks, Paul says, in everything. That means the key to a happy life starts with developing a grateful heart. Now, I know you wouldn't argue with that. I mean, who would argue with that? We've all been around grumpy people, unhappy people, miserable people who seem to be stuck in a rut that they can't get out of. They fuss, they whimper, they squawk, they gripe, they complain about this or that. Nothing suits them. Everything bothers them, and they can't be happy because they won't be happy. 
They prefer misery, and since misery loves company, they want us to wallow with them in their fetid pool of discontentment. And that's why this verse is such a challenge. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When I read that verse, I'm reminded of Mark Twain's famous comment. It's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. Well, that certainly applies to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. There's nothing tricky, vague, or unclear about it. So we're back to the hard part again. How do you give thanks in everything? Let's pause just for a moment before I answer that question, just over the last two verses. For this is God's will for you in Christ. In Christ. This is God's will for you in Christ. That speaks to the reality of supernatural conversion in another place. Paul said, if any man be in Christ, there's that phrase again, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, hello, new things have come. I mean, well, that's the, that's the meaning. That's the implication of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Behold, hello, everything has been made new. If you are in Christ, you play for a new team, you wear a new uniform, and you follow new rules. Jesus changes everything. We can hardly expect people who walk in darkness to act as if they have seen the light. They walk in darkness because they can't see. They don't even know if there is a light. You can shine the light in front of them, but until the eyes of the heart are open, they literally will not see it. I mean, that's one reason why when you witness to somebody, and you have used every argument, every verse, prayed every prayer, given every illustration, uh, asked the EE questions, gone through the Romans Road plan of salvation, the four spiritual laws, and, and the, the steps to peace with God. And <laughs> they finally just look at you and say, I don't see it. They're not lying. They're not making an excuse. They just don't see it. So if you are spiritually dead and therefore blind and without the knowledge of God, life may seem haphazard to you. In a fallen world, and this is, my friends, a very fallen world, things often happen for no apparent reason, and there is often, I think maybe even much of the time, no clear pattern to life's good and bad circumstances. Lost people, people who are not in Christ, they look at life differently than saved people. That's not just a religious motto. It's the bottom line truth about life. Lost people don't see God's hand in everything because they can't see it. And so that's why they hang up a four-leaf clover, a rabbit's foot, or maybe a picture of some dead saint. I do understand if you don't believe in God or if your God is so distant, he's not involved. Well, so maybe if the rabbit's foot brings you good luck, why not hang it on your rear view mirror? I mean, I get it, but the Christian thinks differently. A.W. Tozer explains it this way. A real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for one whom he has never seen, talks every day to someone he cannot see, expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another, empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he is weakest, 
richest when he is poorest, and happiest when he feels the worst. He dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so he can keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes knowledge. Tozer then adds this description. The man who has met God is not looking for anything. He has found it. He's not searching for light, for upon him the light has already shined. So, if a person is in Christ, he believes in something the world can't see and doesn't understand. The world says seeing is believing, but the Christian position is quite different. We say believing is seeing. Once I was blind, but now I see. So how does this apply to 1 Thessalonians 5.18? If you are in Christ, you see things differently. You evaluate every experience of life through the vision of the crucified and risen Son of God. That's why the person in Christ can give thanks in everything. You see something others do not see. So let me tell you a little story. My wife and I ate lunch a while back with some friends visiting from another state. When we started our meal, the thought passed through my mind that the husband looked more relaxed than I had seen him in a long time. A great guy, a great friend. I've known the husband for, I gotta think about this, but it's going on close to 40 years, but he's a hardworking, hard-charging type A kind of guy. And that day in the restaurant, he just he just seemed uh, supernaturally calm, I guess. So I soon learned the reason for his calm demeanor. He said he heard a minister suggest a simple prayer for the beginning of every day. My friend said the prayer had made a profound difference in his life. His wife chimed in to say that she had noticed a drastic difference in him. Before he started praying the prayer, he often came home tense over things that had happened at work, but now he comes home relaxed and in a good mood. As I listened, I wondered to myself what kind of prayer, almost thinking, what kind of magic prayer could make that kind of difference? Well, it wasn't magic at all. He explained that the key is to pray the prayer the moment he wakes up, even before he gets out of bed. He said he had awakened that morning at 4.30, so he prayed the prayer and then went back to sleep. So, the prayer itself is the essence of simplicity. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, you are in charge of everything that will happen to me today, the good and the bad, the happy and the sad, the positive and the negative. Please make me thankful for everything that happens to me today. Amen. Simple, yes, but the Apostle Paul would hardly approve of that prayer. My friend said that this prayer changed him on the inside, and that's what made the difference. His circumstances didn't change, but his attitude did. That's why he looked so relaxed when we ate lunch. Now, this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, let's just take a closer look at the text in three different versions. J.B. Phillips says, be thankful whatever the circumstances may be. The NLT says, be thankful in all circumstances. Then the, the old Living Bible says it this way, no matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I like that third one because of the phrase, no matter what happens, because friends, stuff 
happens. It happens all the time. No matter what happens, speaks to the uncertainty of life. That uncertainty we all experience. Things happen to us we didn't expect. No one knows what tomorrow may bring. I mean, you're thinking, well, tomorrow I've got my plans and the day after and the day after and next week and next month. Yeah, but you don't really know for sure what's going to happen. You see, that's why the instruction, no matter what happens, helps us. It may be good or it may be bad. Find a way to give thanks anyway. As I wrote those words, as I was thinking about it, I recalled a scene from my student days at a Christian college. Our basketball team had played a big rival on our home court. I don't remember the score. I remember it was hotly contested and it was one Christian college playing against another Christian college and the stakes were high. And all I remember is our guys lost. It was a gut-wrenching moment for the team. And I also remember one student who had befriended the players and he knew the coach. When the game was over, he came up to the coach and said a little too cheerfully, praise the Lord, coach. To which the coach replied with admirable restraint, at least you could have said anyhow. Praise the Lord anyhow. That's what Paul is telling us to do. We know we should give thanks when things are going well. It is right and good to praise God from whom all blessings flow. We shouldn't take our blessings for granted or think we somehow deserve them. But listen carefully. If you only give thanks when you have money in the bank, when your marriage is good, when the deal goes through, when the doctor says you don't have cancer, when your kids are doing well, when the church is growing, and your friends are glad to see you, if that's the only time you give thanks, what will you do when trouble comes? What will you do when your company downsizes and you're out of a job? When your retirement fund loses 45% of its value? When your marriage collapses? When your daughter gets pregnant out of wedlock? When the cancer returns? Or when your friends betray you? If all you have is a God of the good times, then really, friends, you don't have the God of the Bible. Because the real question is not, can you thank God when everything's coming up roses? But uh, listen, say it another way. If, like Paul and Barnabas, when your hands and feet are in the stocks at a place called Philippi, and it's midnight and you have been beaten and stripped, if in that desperate moment you can still pray and praise and sing hymns and thank God, then, well, the world will agree what you have is different. You see, in the hard moments, we must return to God because His love for us does not change. So, on a plane trip, my wife and I spent several hours above a vast cloud bank stretching from one horizon to the other. Underneath the clouds, no one could see the sun. Down there on the ground, it was dark and gray and gloomy. But above the clouds, the sun was shining brightly. Sometimes the clouds of life seem to obscure the face of our Father, and we think He has abandoned us. But above those dark clouds, the sun of His love shines forever. Things often happen that make no sense. You do know that. Let's face it, in the last year, since Thanksgiving of last year, stuff has happened you didn't expect, and probably some of it you never would have believed, but there it is. It just happened. Try as we might, 
We cannot always trace God's hand in every circumstance because God paints on a canvas much larger than our tiny vision. So, how do we give thanks when our hearts are broken? How do we give thanks when we are confused? How do we give thanks when we see what sin has done in the world? So, let me give you very quickly now 37 reasons to praise God. We can give thanks because we know that God is sovereign, that nothing happens by chance, that all things work together for good to those who love God, that hard times show us our total need for God, that God has triumphed over sin and death through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that God uses the worst that happens to promote our spiritual growth, that God is faithful even when we are faithless, that God's Word is true, that God's promises are true, that evil will not reign forever, that heaven is real, that this world is not the real world, that when we are weak, He is strong, that His grace is sufficient for every situation, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, that our salvation rests on God and not on us, that there is no pit so deep, that the love of God is not deeper still, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin, that God delights to save sinners, that the Lord can soften the hardest heart, that there are no impossible cases with God, that even when we feel alone, we are never alone, that our Father will not test us beyond what we can bear, that the Holy Spirit abides with us always, that the Lord Jesus feels our pain, that the Holy Spirit prays for us when we are too weak to pray for ourselves, that Jesus intercedes for us so that we are finally saved, that our doubts cannot cancel God's work in us, that someday we will be conformed to the image of Christ, that God is faithful to finish His work in us, that our hardships equip us to minister to others, that we are invited to come boldly to the throne of grace, that God's plan far exceeds our puny imagination, that weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning, that we are still God's children even when our faith falters, that while we suffer outwardly, we are renewed inwardly, that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory. <laughs> As I was reading that, I was thinking about what my dad used to say. How about them apples? Hey, how about that list? That's fantastic. It's all true. It's all from the Word of God. Look, there is no escaping the troubles of life while we live on a sin-cursed planet. No one gets a free ride from earth to heaven. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I've lived long enough to know that there's a story behind every smiling face. Even the happiest people know their share of sorrow, and some people seem uh, some people seem to re receive far more than their, well, what we think is their fair share of pain. We will never be able to give thanks always without the Holy Spirit's help. Left to ourselves, the pain of life will drive us to bitterness and ultimately to despair. But when we factor God into the equation, when we rest upon the rock of His sovereignty, then and only then do we have the grounds for saying, thank you, Lord, no matter what happens to us. I don't mean to suggest 
This is easy, only that it is necessary. As hard as it may be to rejoice always, what is your alternative? To give in to despair and anger? Suppose you refuse to give thanks in every situation. In that case, you are virtually saying you know how to run the universe better than God does. We proclaim that God's wisdom is greater than ours by giving thanks when we don't feel like it. That simple act of giving thanks in the midst of sorrow is a testimony worth more than 10,000 words when things are going well. That leads me back to our friend whose cancer was treatable but not curable. How did she give thanks in that circumstance? After all, this is not what she wanted or expected or planned for or prayed for. But here she is. What now? Here is her answer. I have a deep faith and trust that the Lord is with me at all times. I am not much of a journalist, but I have been keeping a gratitude journal. By focusing each day on my blessings, I find joy in my life. It is my desire to spread that joy to others as best I can. So as long as I have breath, I will continue to spread God's faithful love for us and the joy I experience. She's keeping a gratitude journal, focusing on one day at a time, counting her blessings, finding joy in the journey. Our friend included a phrase that is hard to read, as long as I have breath. She wrote those words a year ago. She died a few months ago. The doctors were right. Her cancer was treatable but not curable. To the end, she maintained her faith in God. A few days before she died, she confided to a friend, I'm ready to go. And off she went, carried by the angels into the realms of glory. She praised God as long as she had breath. Now she breathes the celestial air of heaven. I have no doubt she is still praising Him. Back to that phrase, as long as I have breath. It startled me when I read it, but that's true of all of us, isn't it? As they say on ESPN, when a pitcher gets an injury, he's listed as day-to-day. But then again, aren't we all? Well, we are all day-to-day, just one breath away from eternity. Our friend discovered the gift of continual gratitude, and she found it in a most unlikely place. As cancer took her earthly life away, she was being made new on the inside day by day, 2 Corinthians 4.17. Note one final detail. This is God's will. Often we connect God's will with the really big decisions of life. Where should I go to school? Should I go to college? Am I going to get married? How am I going to meet the lucky person? And how are they going to know? Should I move to San Diego? Does God want me to stay in North Carolina? Now, those questions are important but they don't get to the heart of the matter. What is God's will? To see Him everywhere and in everything and to thank Him no matter what happens. Remember that this will be more clearly seen in the darkness than in the light. Lost people may not listen to our sermons or pay attention to our doctrine, but they notice how we live under pressure. You see, the world wants to know if our religion works as well in the darkness as it does in the sunlight. If Christ still shines through us when we are broken by life, they may see our faith and come to believe Jesus is alive today. Many people have been converted not by a sermon, but by the testimony of God's grace shining through the pain a believer endures. As the song says, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. That's not just the material blessings of the last year, 
It's also in the times of pain and suffering, which seem to be for no good purpose, but turned out to be blessings in disguise. That too is the goodness and grace of God. On this Thanksgiving day, we ought to be the most thankful people on the face of the earth. This is the message for today. No matter what happens, we can always say, praise the Lord anyhow. Thank you for listening to this Thanksgiving special featuring Dr. Ray Pritchard of Keep Believing Ministries. Learn more at keepbelieving.com and thank God for his many blessings this Thanksgiving with American Family Radio.